Let's do it. I love the intensity coming in here. It's a learning experience. Three, two, one, go! You gotta find a coach, you've gotta find a mentor, you've gotta find somebody that you can bounce ideas off of. The truth is, they just bring so much experience to the table, you can't help but improve. Yoga, runner, strength training, health and wellness. It is challenging. It grows your capabilities, and you walk away or ride away with new confidence. It's just taught me a whole lot about cycling. Welcome to the Total Cyclist Podcast. We are Total Cyclist. Infrastructure. Cycling. Hey everyone, this is Chad Andrews here in Total Cyclist Pain Cave in Charlotte, North Carolina. And those two words, put together infrastructure and cycling, is what we are going to talk about today. And I've got two frequent guests of the Total Cyclist Podcast. We'll just call it the Jeff and Ann Show. Jeff Viscount, Ann Groninger, Ann Groninger, of course, of Bike Law, and Jeff Viscount of Weekly Rides. And welcome to another edition of our podcast, Jeff. Hey, Chad. Thank you for having me. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. And? Hey, Chad. Glad to be here again. Good. So here's how we're going to start. Very simple. When we were talking off air, you said something about how you wanted to discuss infrastructure for cyclists and how we can all pull together and how city and government maybe can understand what we're trying to come at as far as developing big cities, medium cities, and small cities on becoming more cycling friendly. And you have an anecdote or a historical perspective from your own self. Tell us a little bit about that so we could jumpstart this podcast. So I started thinking about this topic because I recently went to Germany. Um, I, uh, my, my family's from there, so I've been going there for years. And back in 1989, date myself a little bit, I actually, I lived there for three months in, in the city of Munich. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't notice bicyclists there. There weren't, really weren't any. And when I went back this year, a few months ago, the city was teeming with bicyclists. I thought I accidentally landed in Amsterdam. Utopia? Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, Same thing. Uh, exactly. And, um, and then I spent a lot of time riding around, not just in Munich, but in other cities in Germany. And there is really, the conditions are great. I mean, just amazing. And every, everybody's using um, these long bikeways that go from city to city. And, and you just see kids riding to school, elderly people going to visit friends and people riding to work. And it's just such a common activity. And anywhere you walk in the city, there's dozens or hundreds of bikes parked under every possible location. And, and I just thought, well, how, how did they get there? I mean, how did this big change occur over, you know, it's, I guess it's been you know, 25, 30 years, but um, it's been a, a very noticeable change. So, Were you a cyclist when you lived there? Um, a transportation cyclist only. I didn't have a bike there. Okay. I used public transportation, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I would have noticed had it been, I'm sure there were some people riding bikes, but I would have noticed had it been to that extent because right. I was on foot or on trains most of the time. Right. Cool. So you saw a huge change in, was it Munich you said? Yes. Yeah. So you saw a huge change from 1989 to 2017 
from back then it was considered uh, nobody rides bikes to when you go back 30 years later let's just say 30 years later for the sake of it yeah and it's just you you were blown away blown away and the irony behind that is I moved to Charlotte North Carolina in 1989 and I have seen mm, vert well no I lie I've seen a small amount of increase of cyclists that are commuting and riding their bikes to and from, A, yeah. because of the advent of our light rail and some bike lanes or something, but it's mm. nowhere near the scope yeah. of what you're talking about. So how, how, Jeff, and how do we in America, in large cities, like we readily agree, apologize for those of you guys who are living in Atlanta, but you're screwed. There's nothing you can do. Uh, Charlotte, we're getting close to being screwed about not being able to do it. But a town like Greenville, Spartan, or Greenville South Carolina, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what do they do? Or a town like you know those small, medium, maybe even larger markets. What, what, mm-hmm. what can we do to make it more cycling? Now, I don't want to say friendly, because friendly is the wrong word. More cycling sure. supportive? No, what's the word? Well, you know, let, let me start with saying that, that um, Charlotte has, you know, Charlotte adopted its first bike plan about 16 years ago. Um, and, and CDOT um, created a position for a bicycle program manager. And, and that was a big step for uh, city governments anywhere because most places did not have a specific position that looked over um, the, the, the wants and desires of the cycling community. Um, you know, you talk about the cycling, the commuter community here in Charlotte, it's very small, like 0.02%. 0.02%. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a ridiculously ridiculous. low number. And it's one of the reasons why the League of American Bicyclists continues to consider Charlotte a bronze level city. We've not been able to get over the bronze level for several years. Um, and uh, one of the reasons is because of our small commuter population, connectivity issues, and lack of infrastructure. Although Charlotte has made some really big advances in those 16 years, we've added a lot of miles of bike lanes. Um, our commuter population is there. But for most of us, um, we probably don't see them. Um, they're very hidden because they're ri- the hours that they ride um, and some of the routes that they may take are not what we would consider places where you're going to see a bunch of them. Um, there are efforts to increase that. Freewheeling Friday, for instance, in Charlotte, uh, you know, encouraging people to ride their bike to work at least one day a week. Just give it a shot. Um, but we still we. We're so far behind. We, we are, I mean, it's we really... Are, we are still, even with <laughs> yeah. everything that uh, CDOT is doing and everything that the cycling advocates are doing, um, we are still behind. You know, we're, we're looking at our first protected bike lane project in Charlotte um, that has been in design and in consideration for going on, I, I think, two, almost three years. And, and now the conversation is around an 18-month-long pilot before they formally install this protected bike what, lane. What is a protected bike lane? A protected bike lane is a, um, it, it is like a bike lane, but it is separated from traffic by some sort of barrier, whether it be plastic bollards, concrete. whether it be plant, concrete planters, or sometimes they're designed where uh, vehicles park between the bike lane and the moving traffic. Ooh, that lane. sounds scary. It is, well, and that's, you know, there are, we, we'll get into some discussion about the, you know, I'm for infrastructure, I'm against infrastructure, but when we talk about protected bike lanes and when we talk about any kind of infrastructure design, um, it's, you're, you're hard pressed to find a design that pleases everybody. Um, you take a, a, a design where cars, parked vehicles are used as the barrier, you introduce the, the, the problematic interactions of pedestrians 
trying to get to those parked cars, having to cross the bike lane to get to the car where they park. Um, That's like trying to get to your car across a football field. Yeah, it, it could be. <laughs> you know, independent depending on yeah. again. So part of these this long pilot that Charlotte is doing is to make you know when you create one of these things, it goes all the way across. We're trying to connect Little Sugar Creek to Irwin Creek. And for those of you who don't know, it's a those really are, popular area you, for cyclists now. And yeah, those those two are very popular greenways and create a lot of connectivity for cycling, uh, for cyclists. And so, but but there is no connectivity connectivity between them from one to the other across the city. It's it's kind of like a war zone from one to the other. So the protected bike lane would, would connect them. But with that comes which is the best street for that to go down. Um, and then once you zero in on those possible best streets, you start looking at driveways and traffic counts and intersections and all the things that create conflict in that. And and again, narrow, narrowing down the decision as to what one's gonna be best and then how do you mitigate the issues that do exist. Um, so there's a whole group of, you know, there's a there's a whole argument to be made, uh, you know, between the I want more infrastructure and and we don't need it. One of the things that I would say, um, just to clarify a little bit, and my you know I had this oh, aha moment in Munich, but all of the cities that I went to in Germany had a lot of cycling, and and that's a change that I saw everywhere. Um, and so, and I think a lot of, some of that may be because it's coming from a national level. Obviously it's a much smaller country, so that's something, but I think in North Carolina we could have um, something on the state level to, you know, the, the state could do more to promote cycling and get cities to promote cycling and help out in that regard, so. Well, let's, you have one here on your notes that says, what is infrastructure? I mean, what, what do you mean by what is infrastructure? If for a cyclist in general, is that what Jeff was kind of talking about? Because I want to kind of, I want to have a full circle, like, aha moment for us at the end of the podcast. We may all have different opinions on how cycling should be incorporated into city, you know, uh, into big cities and small cities. But give me an idea of what your ideology, what would be the ideal now, you, it might be weird that you guys are coming at this two separate points. Are you guys going to be coming from it from weekly rides and bike law, or are you going to be coming from a personal standpoint? A little bit of both. Um, you know, from the perspective of bike law, I can talk about people's experiences that I've seen with various types of infrastructure, namely bike lanes, where, the, where they've been a problem, and, and why I do understand um, people's uh, sometimes hesitance to use bike lanes, especially more experienced cyclists. So. Um, so there's that, but uh, what is infrastructure? I mean, infrastructure is something that's built to accommodate a certain mode of transportation. So uh, bicyclists and this, so, so bike lanes or um, bike paths, bike ways, you know, greenways. greenways yeah. I think that I think that you know, for me, it's a you know a personal experience. I'm not an engineer, and I think Ann and I we both talked about that before doing this. That you know we're not engineers we're not um, we don't work uh, for departments of transportation and design infrastructure we just it's ride just, bikes we just ride bikes <laughs> and so you know we use infrastructure and and we are what they are building for we are the users of that infrastructure when we talk about cycling infrastructure um, can it can improve things for pedestrians and can improve things for motorists a lot of design uh, when we start looking at intersection design um, in large cities, a lot of what we're seeing, a lot of the new ideas that are coming out of um, uh, the, the, the engineering folks that create ideas for 
other cities to replicate are around um, uh, making things easier for everybody, making things safer for everybody, uh, reducing conflict. Um, we just had uh, the, the young lady from New York that uh, was the transportation director up there, and um, she talked about the things they did in New York, um, you know, where Times Square was literally closed off and um, became a pedestrian and cycling zone, uh, no motor vehicles. And, um, you know, what a change that has made for, uh, for New York City. Um, so uh, to me, infrastructure is, you know, can affect all modes of transportation. Um, as long as it addresses all modes, and, and we're seeing more of that. Charlotte, you know, for, for 100 years, we designed roads in Charlotte, and the folks at CDOT will admit this clearly. There was no thought of a bicycle or a pedestrian in, in the mindset. It was how do we move cars as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Maybe not quite 100 it, years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's only been the last mm. 20 years that um, these designers, that these engineers, now don't just say let's put four lanes from here to there let's put four lanes from here to there but now how do the pedestrians get across those four lanes safely and where how do cyclists get through those intersections safely and how which way do they go um, what sort of designs have to be put in and you probably saw this in germany signals that are just for the bike lanes mm -hmm. you know so the it, it's almost like two two traffic grids working together within with side by side each other um, so a lot of these protected bike lanes in big cities, you'll come to an intersection and there will be a signal device simply for the cyclist in the bike lanes and it'll be timed differently than the signal devices for the vehicles in the motor vehicle lanes. So that cyclists get through the intersection, then motor vehicles can get through the intersection, then pedestrians can get through. And it takes a lot of a lot of thought and, it a, lot, takes a, and lot a lot of planning of because yeah. as you know, one thing yeah. that we see is if it's done wrong then it can cause more trouble than it solves. Well, it's, it, it's interesting to see, you know, I'll, I'll go to the Bicycle Advisory Committee meetings here in Charlotte where we have this advisory committee um, and CDOT will bring in uh, plans that they have to redo an intersection um, and they'll talk about uh, what they're doing, what kind of infrastructure they want to design, what the problems have been and what they're trying to fix. And, and it's interesting to sit around a table with a group of other cyclists and start oh, throwing out questions about, you know, well, this is how I would approach it, so you should do it that way. And um, uh, but they're but they're at least trying now. Right. And that wasn't happening years ago. They're at least considering when they design infrastructure, all modes of transportation, most of them. Are. Well, then let's do this. Um, Munich, Germany, about the same size town as Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a little bigger. A little bigger, but yeah. you know, percentage-wise, maybe five or ten percent bigger than the Charlotte proper, which Mecklenburg, Iredale, some of the other counties. So they've managed to achieve, since I've been in Charlotte, far greater mm -hmm. uh, success in bringing cyclists to commute, to ride, kids, moms, dads. So I guess my question is, then what is the debate? What are we debating? Are we debating? And I don't mean this is not a question, it's more of a statement. Are we debating on how to make all the cities in, in, the, in the United States of America more cycling friendly so that people will get on their bikes more? Is it, is it improvement in the infrastructure of cycling? So what, what is our debate? Because I guarantee you, if I went on a group ride at 7 a.m. on sa this coming Saturday and say, hey, guys and girls, all like with shaved legs, how do we make this a better cycling community? They're like, it's 7 o'clock, we got to go start killing each other. <laughs> we got to go. Yeah. yeah. 
There's a king of the mountain coming up. Yeah, there's a KOM. There's a QOM coming. We 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 can't be talking about this. So maybe, you know, not to to begrudge that certain subsect, but in Charlotte, that is a huge component of the cycling community. Whereas in Munich, a 99.9% of those people don't even know what a 5311 is, nor do they mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's more of a mentality is what the debate is in European sentiment, sentiment versus American-based sentiment on how we approach the debate on how to make U.S. small, big, and medium, large cities more cycling friendly. So what do you think, Cam? Well, I think there probably are a couple of different debates going on, and the larger one is the one that you're referring to, which is the debate about, you know, what, who wants this and, and are we going to support, you know, is the city and the taxpayers going to support putting money into bicycling infrastructure and do, do they care, right? Um, that's a, that, I think that's the biggest point is do they, well, does yeah. that 7 a.m. or 8, 8.30 a.m. group ride care? Yeah, exactly. They should. Well, I, so, so, they should. Yeah. But there's also, I think there's a, um, a smaller debate, but it's important because I think there's even a debate among cyclists as to whether or not cyclists want infrastructure. So, and right. there are some people that are actually strongly against it. Yeah. So, now, would you we explain that because well, that may be going over my head a little bit. Yeah, there's a there's a significant, or not maybe significant, but there is a segment of cyclists um, or people in the cycling community that think infrastructure is a bad thing. Um, because they've seen it used badly, and there are certainly places in Charlotte where it is used badly, you know, bike lanes that end in the middle of nowhere and you, you don't, you mm-hmm. know, all of a sudden you're thrown into traffic. Um, intersections. That's okay, so now I understand what you yeah, mean. Yeah, intersections that are poorly designed. And they also are afraid, and, and I understand this fear too, they're also afraid that if we have all this, you know, if we have bike lanes and bike paths everywhere that will be confined to them, we won't be allowed to ride on the road. So, so, and that's, you know, that's, that's not something okay. I've seen, uh, and that's not something I saw in, in using Germany again as an example, they, there are bikes everywhere. So if you want to use a road, you use a road. Most people don't because most people aren't riding that fast or getting from A to B. And so they want to use the car free bike path, but there are plenty of people on the road as well. And as far as the poor design, I agree. That's a concern. I think that's saying that, uh, you know, we have bad designs in places, so we shouldn't have anything anywhere, is kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I think, you know, you look at how do you make the design better. You don't just say, well, we're not, we shouldn't have this at all. So, I, I, I think that, you know, when your 7 a.m. group ride, the, the reason they don't care is that it doesn't affect them. Um, yeah. That's the wrong with that. They they're, think they're, it doesn't affect them. Well, well ultimately, for, for the ride that they do, the, the four or five rides a week that they may go out and do, um, they're not in a bike lane. They're out on a country road, or they're um, they're a group that's taking up a full lane, and it's just not as big a concern for them as it is for the person that's trying to commute from outside of the city into the city to go to work and want and doesn't own a car. All point zero two percent of them. Yeah, all put, well, well, and that's part of it. You know, it, it, it um, is it chicken or the egg? Okay, right. so if you don't have the connectivity and the infrastructure. Um, you're not going to you're not going to build a large network of commuters. Um, if you don't have a large network of commuters, what are you building the infrastructure and the connectivity for? 
Um, so it's a point of getting the city, getting the officials, getting the, the, the bureaucrats to understand that, that we sort of have to build it and they will come. And that's been proven over and over and over. Look at the light rail. That, look at the light rail. Yeah. Look, at, look at what happened when we took all the concrete. You know, you know, Little Sugar Creek is funny to me because I moved here in 1978. And when I moved here in 1978, Little Sugar Creek was under concrete. And it wasn't concrete that fell out of the sky. It was concrete that was put there by the city. They covered up Little Sugar Creek. <laughs> so, so Little Sugar Creek, in that whole Midtown area, was yeah, yeah, uncovered wow. when the Greenway was created. And and look at that space now. Look at what was what we thought we needed to bury so we could drive over it. Look at what it's become now that we've uncovered it and made it an open access area for everybody. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, it's like this. It's an amazing. Greenway it used space. to be a scary place where you need right. a shotgun right. and, and yeah. you know and a knife to go in, and now it's become this. You know, I'm on it every day, yeah. just about, just because yeah. it, it, it is true. So Well, and it, it creates, one of the things that the, the Greenway has done is it's, it's filled in the big blank of connectivity. Okay, infrastructure is one thing. Connectivity, making infrastructure that connects pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when we talk to, um, to our local Department of Transportation here, uh, we talk about, um, you know, these bike lanes that end nowhere. But what that is is that is part of that shift from not considering bicycle infrastructure when building a road to considering it. So now when roads are improved or when no roads, new roads are put in, they have to include that infrastructure. Um, so sometimes that means a bike lane that's just gonna go across that bridge that got built. Uh, so um, it seems like it's a bike lane that's foolish. It starts nowhere and it finishes nowhere but ultimately in the end it will connect and create miles and miles of bike lanes. Uh, most people don't understand how that works and so it's confusing. But it's creating the connectivity and that's what Sugar Creek did. It created connectivity so you can start at Park Road and work your way all the way up to CPCC, off-road, in a safe environment, um, well, I've been and, able and to make do that. lots of connections. I've been it. able to do that, but it right. just took me 25 years to find the roads to do it. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. and you know that that's a whole other yeah. discussion on connectivity because I can ride from my house uh, on the outskirts of Charlotte all the way to downtown Charlotte on low volume neighborhood streets, bicycle lanes, and greenways, and, and I've taken time to look at the map and make the connections. And, and you mean those little signs with the numbers on them, yeah. which I still don't know what they are. No, mean. not even assigned routes. Not even assigned routes. Just looking at a map and saying, if I if I if I ride through this neighborhood to this spot, and then I can pick up a bicycle lane on this road, which will take me to here, and then I can go through this neighborhood to get to the Greenway, and then I can take the Greenway all the way into here. It, you just create that path. Um, but that's never going to increase the 0.02 percent because yeah, you and I and Anne are cyclists. I think you have to make it easy. I mean, you, you, have to, you have, you to, have make to make it easy, it easy. And, and commuting is not easy. Um, but I think that, that I think that increased connectivity or improved connectivity will increase the 0.02 percent to 0.03 to 0.05 to one to two to three. Um, you know, the average across the country is two percent. Um, so it's not like we're trying to get to 20 percent. Um, but I think that there are small steps, and I think that Charlotte is, is taking those. When we talk about the I feel safe, um, I, I argue with a few people about infrastructure. You argue? Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't seem. Amazing. It's, it, it, is, mm. it is an odd concept, mm -hmm. but it happens occasionally. Mostly about um, beer. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe that. I, I personally do not like a bike lane. Okay, I personally feel safer in the road for a lot of different reasons. 
um, too many to go into on this on this podcast. But I don't expect my next door neighbor who sees me ride to work five days a week and thinks I might want to try that. I don't expect them to have that same level of safety or same same level of um, that, that same feeling of safety just getting out in the middle of the road and riding their bike. Well, there are some people that feel that buffer, that comfort level with that white line. But just driving here with you to come do this podcast, I saw half of the cars straddling that white line. They don't know yeah. what the bike lane is. Yeah. But, but a new rider is less likely to get on a bike and ride um, unless they feel safe. Um, so we, we, you know, infrastructure in their mind at that time is what they need or what they want to feel safe. Now, when, as they become more experienced, as they become a better cyclist, as they become more skilled and understand the flow of traffic around them better, they will eventually, in my opinion, learn to get out of that bike lane and to move to where there's where it's safer and easier to ride. In the middle of the road, or but it, well, what we call taking the lane, controlling okay. the lane. Okay. So sometimes that is the middle of the road. Um, sometimes it's the left-hand lane of the road. I mean, if I'm making a left-hand turn, um, I'm more visible. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, to traffic around me. I'm more predictable there. I don't have the trash that's in bike lanes. When you go pick a bike lane anywhere, pick a bike lane, any street, any road, anywhere USA, it's full of debris because that's where the car pushes the debris off the road. Mm-hmm. Um, get rid of the bike lane and the debris is in the curb and you're fine. So my point is, is that you know babies don't walk before they crawl. Uh, we need infrastructure to get new people on bikes because we want to increase the 0.02%. And that means more butts on bikes, as, as Arlene would say, right? Um, and so the only way you're going to do that is to give them a way to get on their bike and to feel safe and get out and go and, and, and experience cycling. Um, as they become more experienced, they may use that infrastructure less and less, but it's still there for the next guy that's going to learn. Well, you know, and, and you also, I mean, all these things that you talked, the reason that you talked about that you don't like bike lanes, they're all, re- I mean, they're all things that can be fixed. You know, we, I mean, we can improve. We can improve yes. bike lanes, and there well, could by be a putting lot. a natural barrier, physical barrier. Well, that may detach be, them. That may be a solution in some places. Um, um, education on because there really is zero mm-hmm. education about for cars on how to interact with cycling. We uh, discussed cycle, that on the one. Or, we talked or, about or that. Or for cyclists. I or mean, for there, cyclists. There, there I mean, I've had that. I've had police officers call me and say, "Hey, a guy just got hit um, at an intersection where he was in the bike lane. The car was turning right. What's the law on it? Well, there is no law on it. I mean, you you have to kind of figure. It's at fault. Well, the car's at fault because right. the bike lane's a lane, and they're turning across a the lane. They should be able. They should look to see that it's safe to do so. But it doesn't explicitly say that. It doesn't explicitly say that anywhere. You have to kind of extrapolate from the law that a bike is oh, bike God, lane is a lane. Law. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, so that's a part of it. Education, building better, building the infrastructure better. Um, you know, there are just a lot. There are a lot of things we can do to to make all those things more usable, so that people wouldn't have to say, "Well, oh, I'd rather ride out in the middle of traffic." I mean, ultimately, I'd rather have the whole road to myself, just me and my bike. That mm-hmm. would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, in tangent, in, in in perpendicular to a main road, which I don't think in, because I don't think Charlotte. I, I'm going to lose myself on this because there's a really important point I make. But is is a city like Charlotte capable of doing something on what Munich did? Well, I mean, are you talking about just these, but these long bike lanes all by themselves? I mean, yeah. those. A lot of those are in from smaller town to smaller town and through I mean there are some there are plenty of those through Munich I mean and like through the parks and everything you see it in New York too sure um, but as far as 
in the city where the traffic is, you're seeing more bike lanes and, and bikeways that are just right connected to the road. Mm-hmm. So, and people use them and they're fine, you know, um, yeah. Is I it? I can't remember what you were Okay, well then, I guess here's my question. We, we had a, we do a women's only cycling camp. It's called mm-hmm. Diva Camp. You'll okay. see what I'm going oh, mm-hmm. So with Diva Camp, we have women, beginner and intermediate cyclists from all over the country mm-hmm. come to our camps. And we, uh, every month we have a Diva Camp um, that's a half day to kind of, you know, give an idea of what our Diva Camps. We had a, a young lady come up, not a young lady, probably a little bit younger than I am, come up to Diva Camp. She didn't know what clipless pedals, she had a hybrid. It was awesome. It was great. Mm-hmm. So we're out on the road. She's never ridden on the road in her entire life. Right. Scared to death to ride on the road. Mm-hmm. Cause back to an infrastructure thing. So we're in the bike lane. Not we, me and another another coach and her in her bike lane. She's one of the last riders because obviously she's at a disadvantage because of her equipment. And all of a sudden somebody just lays on the horn mm-hmm. at them. Mm-hmm. And my coach Christy goes, "It's okay, girl. We got it." After Diva Camp was over. She had a whole brand new perspective on A, how we're treated, and B, how we should respond mm-hmm. in a scenario where the infrastructure is there for us cyclists. She said if she'd have been in that scenario without somebody that was experienced, mm-hmm. she would have panicked and she would have freaked out. But she figured out, you know what? Mm-hmm. This is just the way it is. So I think part of our problem with the infrastructure is not only having cyclists understand what we need to do to achieve to become safer cyclists in the infrastructure that we have, but it goes back to educating the general public. They yeah. were literally laying on the horn when somebody was on the bike lane. So maybe, Jeff, it goes back to your argument that bike lanes are sucky because they're going to beep their horn no matter what. Well, true. I mean, I think enforcement is a big part of it. And I will say that one thing that I heard over and over and over again in Germany was you better not freaking hit a cyclist. But that's the point yeah. we have to talk about because in Europe, um, in, in most European countries, the, the law is that if you hit a pedestrian or a cyclist, you're at fault. There's yeah. just no question. You are at fault. There's no, it, 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 unless there are just some absolutely uh, yeah, circumstances. Egregious. You're presumptively totally at fault. Egregious. You're presumptively you are at fault. You presumptively at fault is the legal. Yeah. Or, and yeah, that makes, and it makes people look. And guess what? They still get where they're going. Right. You know, but that's and so, cool. so, when here, I'm, so when you're on a, no, it's not the case here, but so when you're in a, on a bikeway that's crossing a, a car intersection, um, and and a car is is coming toward the intersection and sees you coming from their right, they they'll slow down and let you cross <laughs> over in front of them. It's, right, it's right, amazing, right, but it's right. because the culture is different, and probably that driver of that car, there's a decent likelihood that they ride a bike too. Right, so. with the increased biking population, yes, there there's probably so, a cyclist behind the wheel as so well. It's really a chicken and egg thing. Uh, you know, again, it's... But our eyes um, are cracked here. I mean, I, well, well, so, uh, you know, cyclists, by, from uh, the perspective of many non-cyclists, cyclists in Charlotte and other cities like ours across the state, it's, I mean, you don't have to pay attention too long on the social media to see it goes on everywhere. You know, um, we are perceived as a nuisance by the motoring public. Um, and, you know, education to change that perspective that... You know, we talk about it, it, it's not costing you the amount of time you think it's costing you um, to wait on me or to wait and pass me safely. Um, I, I think a lot of it is education. A lot of it is having more and more people out riding on bikes, just the same scenario. If, if I'm a, as a cyclist, I know that I personally pay a lot more attention when I see a cyclist. Um, I think that has a, has a lot to do with it. I got an argument for you. Go ahead. Ha- there's a... Community in Charlotte, it's called, um, oh God, 
until uh, around the booty loop Myers Park Myers Park has Myers Park who went from a place that had no cyclists riding around right to having has Myers Park become more comfortable with the infrastructure of having cyclists on the road or less has it increased the amount of accidents and incidents with cyclists because again nothing has changed with Myers Park they haven't they is there a bike lane? There's, no, no, there's no, no bike lane. There. Well, so, there is well there's, they, they, they put sheriffs in. Sheriffs yeah. are um, there to let motorists know that bicyclists are they have in no the clue. lane. Yeah, no, again, but, the education. But because my point is, is the it, this is where the chicken and egg comes, because I've been saving this bullet for a while. Has the increase in volume of amount of cyclists, A, increased the tolerance in that community, and B, has the risk gone up commensurate to as many cyclists are going there because i've heard of a couple of cyclists being hit but cyclists are hit everywhere mm -hmm. has the has the in other words if we infuse the us of a with a lot more commuter cyclists is that what's going to fix the problem i think the booty loop is a little bit of an anomaly because <laughs> why is it an anomaly tell well, us well, we, may, we may argue here, <laughs> yeah, so okay. yeah because you've got <laughs> you know it's not people getting to work it's it's you know most of the people that are on the booty loop are people out there getting a workout done and right. there's nothing wrong with that i think that's fine but i think if you're talking about the question of seeing more people on bikes making everybody more tolerant but grandma sally um, doesn't have a clue whether well, yeah, they're they training oh yeah they do they, i think if you're you think grandma about sally has an idea of who's commuting and who's out there getting training recognize people in spandex yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think that first of all, I'll say that I think the booty loop is the most dangerous place to ride your bicycle in Charlotte. Uh, uh, it, it, I don't agree. With uh, that. See, I told you we we're going to have an argument. <laughs> here. So, the booty loop um, uh, in that three-mile loop um, encompasses almost every um, dangerous situation that you will come across as a cyclist. So, merging traffic, stoplights, all that stuff. Left hooks, right hooks, grates, merging traffic vehicles pulling out of driveways, driveway pullouts, um, you name it. Um, it, it. It is all possessed right there in that three mile loop. And so even though I think it's one of the most dangerous places to ride your bike, it's also a great training ground for a new cyclist to learn how to deal with all of those conflicts that, that come about. How to but deal this is with your them. chicken and your egg. Well, now, I mean, you asked, you know, you're, you're asking, has, has the amount of cycling on the booty loop changed the way that people that live Correct. on the booty loop feel? I don't think I don't think it has. I think that that what the times that I spend on the booty loop, I find the motorist, um, to, depending on the hour, I find the motorist to be just as aggravated as anywhere else. See, so, I don't. I don't know why. You, you find it to be less really. aggravated. No, I don't. I don't. They I feel it's neutral. It. I think, I think it's like, it. oh, well, here they are. They. I've seen a thousand of you out here. Do I like you being here? Maybe not. But you know what? Hey, if I pass him, I got Sally up there, I got Gene up there, I got not Steve up there, so I might as well just wait my yeah. time. It's hard to say, too, because it's also a through area. So. True, but I mean, I just want to use that as an example yeah. locally because there's a lot of those out there nationally. When we go talking about, hey, build it and they will come, well, what about the reverse engineering? Say, hey, why don't we just get out and ride and then we'll f we fix the problem. I think the people that use that area, uh, the drivers, car drivers that use that area regularly, Expect there to be people I, on bicycles, and I think that's and the I big cue. The expectation is huge. I would agree with that. Oh, they expect. I would agree with that part of that, and I agree with what you're saying when you say, you know, if if um, if Carmel Road, Carmel Road has a um, uh, a nice bike lane on but it. But see, that scares me more than. Oh no, Colony Road. Co Colony Road has a nice bike lane on it. But okay. scares the crap well, out of me. But but because there are so few cyclists that use that route. Okay. Now, if all the cyclists on the booty loop rode up and down Colony Road every night 
six nights, seven nights a week. And those drivers that use Colony Road all the time as part of their their trip plan, um, you would eventually see those drivers more aware of just because of the sheer numbers. Um, you know, it, it, again, we've got to get more people riding bikes because the studies clearly show that, that, that in cities where there are more people riding bikes, that increases the motorist awareness of cyclists. So I think that's the crux of it. We have to build more awareness. Well, you, you, Isn't it incumbent upon us to build the awareness you and create then, awareness? Because I can't go knocking on the city, you know, I can't go knocking on taxpayers' door and saying, "Hey, I got a great idea." In downtown Charlotte, why don't we just do an exclusive bike path just for us cyclists that we can get to and fro to work? Yeah, so, so they look at us and they go, "You're, so, you're blanking on so, crack. So, so, so the new bike plan for Charlotte, which um, were the city council has approved is asking for 100 million dollars over the course of 25 years um, to uh, play out um, 25 years worth of expansion um, four million dollars a year uh, the, it's great that it's been approved the problem is there's no funding for it and um, and we need money for it and that becomes a part of the problem you're talking about because the cycling community is is you know on the scale of, of number of people were very small and most taxpayers don't want to most politicians are not willing to stick their neck out on the line for the cycling community um, but they don't want to say we're going to spend this kind of money on cycling infrastructure when 98% of the taxpayers don't ride a bike so if you go to Germany where you know 80% of the taxpayers ride a bike. It's much But that easier. wasn't like that in 89. Yeah, it wasn't like that. So and how did we how, how yeah. do we change how do we change that? Because again, it's a combination. I'm going to go back to what I said 5 minutes ago and 10 minutes ago. It's about bringing more masses into the sport so that we can create that need cuz you know what? If somebody comes to me, I'll give an example. A a farmer comes to me and says Hey Chad and the rest of the taxpayers, I want y'all to build me a separate road so that I can get my truck to and from the farm to the farmers market downtown Charlotte. I'm gonna look at him. And I'm gonna go, you're crazy. Not happening. Not happening. Yeah. So well, I, I think it keeps going back to, and maybe I had this epiphany 30 minutes ago. It's like we're we're not 100 million dollars over how many years? So the argument against that becomes because I've you know the same thought that, you know as the, as I don't know what you are. I know what Ann is, and I am the lone Republican. If you're a Democrat. Um, I'm sitting on the fence, baby. There you go. Okay. We got, so, you know. Let's not make this political. The, the whole expenditure of money, okay, is it is it really up to uh, the city to build infrastructure for such a small segment of the community? And and the argument against that, and, and an argument that I tend to agree with is yes, because beyond just putting in that bike lane so you can ride from Sugar Creek to Irwin Creek, is the increase in economic impact and when we start when we start breaking out the economic impact of cycling and what it has on areas and when we start looking at places like Germany where this infrastructure has been has just blossomed to include cyclists and so many people do it it means more money being spent it means more traffic to these businesses it means more traffic in the city um, at a lower cost to the city and and what what then what's the denominator? You have to have something in all the paperwork right there that tells us how we go from Charlotte to Munich. Well, I, also, I mean, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of different things and what Jeff was talking about, the economic impact, but also I think we need to realize that 
we don't have a choice. And and I've heard this from um, the legislators on the transportation committee. We can't we can't build enough roads to accommodate all the people in this area and in north throughout North Carolina. And I'm and I'm sure the same is true for other other states. Mm-hmm. We're at critical mass, and we've got to find. But our our response is get on a bike. Yeah. Well, absolutely. It makes a. Di- I mean, it yeah. makes a difference. And and so. But how, you and I and Jeff get that. But I can't well, imagine going to my next door neighbor who's. Okay. Well, going I go back to what you said. You said get more people into the sport. Right. Okay. It's not necessarily. I mean, it it is a sport. Why don't we call people. it not a sport? I think yeah, it's an activity. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's it's to get and when you in if you're in Europe, there are old people riding bikes. I mean, all walks of people riding bikes. Big people, small people, people that don't ever go to the gym or work out or care about physical fitness, but they're getting from A to B. So how do we get people in that mentality? Necessity is part of it. And the way that our culture is and the way that our um, our cities are, are structured. And so I, I think one of the things that we do is we put a priority on building roads. And people just think, oh, I'll just move you know, another 20 miles outside the city. The roads will get to me and I'll be able to get in. Well, eventually they won't. Well, so. I think it's too. It's it's um, you know, you mentioned something earlier as we were waiting for Chad to get all the equipment going. Um, that when you were in Germany, that it's cool to ride a bike. Yeah. Okay. You know, in America, you know, the culture is and and still revolves around the automobile, the freedom that that brought, and the status that automobiles bring to people. And you know, being a cyclist is not considered cool. Um, by the general population. By the general population. I think it's cool. Right. I, you and well, again, we all, you know, present company excluded. Mm-hmm. The the um, most trips, you know, you don't have to read very far into the interwebs to understand that most trips that people make by car are less than three to five, or three, I think it's three to four miles from home. Um, most trips that we do in our cars are very short trips, and and I think that's a place we start in that you start getting people to. We're not asking them to go out on a 50-mile bike ride and average 23, and you know it's not the hammer fest that we're always talking about. We're asking about let's ride half a mile down the block to the local grocery store and get our groceries mm-hmm. and bring them back, and let's use a bike to do that instead of getting in the car and driving down there and and driving back. So here's um, here's a little information since you wanted to see my um, paperwork. So in, in, I want to hear your you paperwork. Want to hear about my paperwork? Yeah. I just pulled a few articles. And I was holding the paperwork yeah. up to the microphone. I was, I was interested. <laughs> Can you guys see that? <laughs> I was asking myself all these questions while I was over there. So I pulled a little information, not you know, off, off the internet. Um, and so Munich increased its cycling from six percent, and this is 1996. So it was a few years after I was there, six percent in 1996 to 17.4 percent in 2011 so that's a pretty percentage of what of cycling of of trips um, oh okay so trips made by cars or or by any mode of transportation they've gone from six percent to seventeen percent yes we're point zero two pretty we're point zero two commuter population of the people that ride you know point zero two percent of our population commute or say they compute one day or more to work. What's your number days. relative to that number? Well, I'm, I don't have any idea. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, number. what I mean by that is that mm. it's it substantially. I mean, it's incredibly I mean, it's, higher. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, absolutely. In Germany. Yeah, in absolutely. Germany. Because, in, yeah. I mean, you have to remember, too, in Europe, there's a lot more public transportation as well. So, Trains, blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of people taking that. So, tubes. you know, to sit for 17% of it to be cycling is, is pretty amazing. Um, and so this is a little bit of an older study and, and looked at what some of the reasons were. And um, out of 
five reasons that they talked about. One of them was the quality of cycling infrastructure. It also was the local attitude toward bikes, acceptance of cycling by the general public, local transport policy, also kind of tied to infrastructure, um, advances in bicycles to so make them easier to ride. Mm -hmm. E-bikes, that kind e of stuff. Things yeah. like that, yeah. Um, although this was before e-bikes, but just even the ease of getting around on a bike and um, settlement patterns, development patterns, things like that. And one, and, and I liked this quote from this article that said, because I think the beginning where they were years ago is where we are now, it said, until a few years ago, bicycling in Germany was considered a minority pastime and decidedly hippie-like way of commuting to work. Right. Today, it's become a mainstream, mainstream activity considered not only cool, but also something of, like a duty for anyone who says he or she cares about the Oh my God, we're them. We were them. Well, and, and again, I don't want this, you know, I don't want this, this conversation to be this, this doom and gloom because I think No, things, it's not. That gives I, me hope. Because yeah, no, they, I, they I, are, I think that, yeah. I'm saying, I think that they're... In our lifetime? No. I, I, no, not in our lifetime. No, I don't, I don't Maybe. I, I think things have changed a lot in, in just the last 10 years. Um, I, there's still obviously a long way for them to go, but, um, you know, infrastructure, lack of infrastructure, when we did the night meetings, uh, that was a leading uh, consensus that came out of... Uh, these two meetings with 125, 150 um, folks that, that came to each meeting, um, the, the lack of infrastructure and a lack of connectivity were, were, were big key components to why they don't ride bikes. Charlotte Bikes, CDOT did survey, 63% of Charlotteans um, would like to drive less. People want to drive less. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 51% um, of them would like to ride their bike more. I mean, there's the, people want to ride. People want to ride. Then what's the what's what what? Uh, well, then what? How? how what's the first step? That? What's the very in your in your profound opinion? There's I don't care no about magic your bullet. job. There's what, no magic no, bullet. I don't care yeah. if there's a magic bullet. Mm -hmm. I said, what would you two do as your first step if you had a want and you were able to wave well, it? Oh, that's an easy one. What is it? I, I'm going to get a friend to come ride a bike. Get your friend, get your neighbor, get someone else, a coworker. If you're commuting to work, and that's what's, that's what we want to see more people do, um, then then find someone at work that might have a slight interest in it and help them take that first ride. Help them go, and 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 figure out what they need to do that and help them do that, and get them started. That's that's my also my personal way of doing it. I because I'm not an engineer and I'm not a right. city planner and I'm not a politician and so there's a lot of things to be done on those fronts um, and you know we've participated in some of those th lobbying days and things like that as well so there, there's so many different things to be done but you know on a personal level yeah just encouraging other people to do it is, is great but and I think that you know when we look at um, uh, we look at things like what Bethany Johnson's doing with the, the bike you know getting the kids bicycle Friday rides where uh, the kids ride to school one day a week and just you know, she's creating. Back the way it was in the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's creating a mindset with 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 minds that can still be formed, that that this is this is a fun, acceptable, doable way to to get to school, and maybe that'll become a way to get to your first job. I know my first job in Charlotte. I, I rode down Highway Fifty One every day on my bicycle. Um, of course, back then Highway Fifty One was a two-lane two -lane country road. But, <laughs> Going the but I still, I rode my, you know, I rode my bike to work every day. That's how I got to work. Um, so I think that 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 you know, um, programs that encourage people to come out and give it a try, is is how we 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 get them on a bike, 
and and then by sharing our own personal experiences of you know there is no bike lane here so this is how we're going to do it and you're going to feel safe when we're done um, this is this is the route we're going to take this is how you find that route you're just sharing your experience I'm what partly to blame what and now that I reflect back on all this I'm partly to blame oh, because I think that if 20 years or 22 years 21 years ago mm -hmm. if my daughter would have seen me getting on a bike and a pair of jeans and a shirt and a helmet with my briefcase and going to work she'd probably be more inclined to get on the bicycle mm -hmm. but she sees what I do on a daily basis put on my bibs mm -hmm. put on my jersey put on my cool glasses mm -hmm. put on my beats headset <laughs> doing all this stuff and there's no way I can engage her in that mm -hmm. you know and even my younger daughter right now well, she's 15 I, I, I'm culpable because I could say you know what, if I would change the mentality of the way the cycling is, that you don't have to wear tight clothes and all this stuff, I could have done it. Ben Miller, I don't know if you guys late. know. Not too late. Yeah, no, I know. But Ben Miller, it's the funniest damn thing. I see him riding on the Greenway, and he looks like um, Mr. Rogers. Right, he's on his way to he's work. He's on his way to work, and he's in his, his khaki down. and his butt yeah. down and his pub's cap, you yeah. know, and, and with his briefcase, and I'm going, that's cool as shit. People like yeah. Ben, people like Ann, people like Jana, uh, you know, a lot Aunt of Aunt Jana, too? A lot yeah. of the folks that we know that are commuters, um, are out there commuting in their everyday clothes. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's not, it is not, you know, that again, when I, we talked about this but, before. But, we talked what? about this before. When, when I tried to, when I said, I'm going to start riding my bike to work, I'm an experienced cyclist, and it's a complicated process. Mm -hmm. Correct. And, and I cannot imagine going, just waking up one day and saying, you know what, I'm going to ride my bike to work today. Because of all the things you have to think about, um, I think the more we get away from that, the, preparation the, the closer of we get to just, logistics. I put my jeans and my button down on, I got on my bike and I rode. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is though, I know all of you guys out there that listen to this podcast, when you ride by and you see a guy commuting, you're going to go, look at that dork. <laughs> Come on. They're out there still thinking that that's the mentality, part of what yeah. we've got going well, on too. Well, you know, to go back to what Ann was saying. Well, it goes back to that you know, quote. It, yeah. Well, it goes, it goes back to culture. Um, there's still a lot of room for, for the, the culture that we've created to morph into the culture that we want. Um, you know, over the years, uh, you know, owning a car, owning an expensive car, being, you know, the freedom that that all brings cr has created the current culture when we talk about, you know, how people move from place to place. And, and we want to change that the same way that European countries have done that. And in that we still want you to be able to move from place to place, but let's do it a different way. But it's generational because Anne is teaching sure. her son Yes. That getting around on bicycles cool. Yeah. Where I wish what? I would have done that. Absolutely. And there's Absolutely. a lot of other parents out too. So essentially sure. what it comes down is the DNA of 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 creating that legacy. And I'll tell you what, when I show up at the courthouse in my heels oh, yeah. and, and a yeah. suit on my bike, there's just a little admiration going around. <laughs> oh, I don't I'm doubt like, it. You rode in those shoes and it's you know it too. does feel cool. I mean yeah. when you actually do it and you're just you know, you're getting somewhere under your own power and um uh, so you're you know, saying as a female I, lawyer, you need more empowerment? <laughs> I need all the I power I can get. I don't power. have to go through yeah. a parking deck. I don't I, have to right. deal with all well, that. And I was standing say, in line for parking spot. When I, when I, I, I have stopped coming to meetings that are uptown. Um, it, it, I go to one meeting now once a month that's uptown. But for the most part, I refuse to go uptown for a meeting because it is so complicated. I'm Traffic, not going to uptown for meetings. Pa parking, the whole bit. So, like you mean in a car? In a car, right? Yeah. Correct. Okay, and 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 you you do it, and you you can get upset with that cyclist that may have you know maybe holding you up a little bit all you want, but you're jealous. 
Okay, because he's moving right along and you're not. In the urban areas, and, the cars are taking up all the room. They're yeah. in my way. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because you move so freely yeah. um, on, on your bicycle versus great. you know being in the car. I, I, I think that I just, I have, I've had to stop going to meetings just because I get so frustrated in traffic. And I think that's a lot of what people deal with. Then why don't you, why don't you ride into work? What I've started doing, if, uh, you know, I'll go to this one meeting, because it's very difficult for me sometimes to go from my office uptown. These meetings are in, at night and riding back at, oh, gotcha. you know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night riding back. But if we had the infrastructure, there wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, and, and a lot of it just is my own time constraints that, that I don't have, um, you know, I need to get back, I need to, to get things Right, but done. you're arguing in the favor of people who don't want it. No, I'm not arguing for him at all. I'm just saying that if you're going to go uptown, you try if, if you can. Let's face it. There's a lot of people that don't commute for not because they don't want to ride their bike. Um, th their job, uh, what they do for you know, sure. my job doesn't. It's not easy for me to commute to work every day because a lot of my day is spent on the road, picking up materials, delivering to jobs. Right, I get dealing, that. You know, I can't just. I could ride my bike in if I had a company truck parked there and got in the company truck and did all my stuff during the day and then came back and rode my bike home. You can that would be great. You can park your truck in my office parking lot and ride your bike I don't do into it. town. Yeah, thank you, Ann. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Everybody come to Charlotte and park in Ann's parking lot. Everyone, everyone <laughs> can, let me give you the address. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, yeah. I think... I think that, again, it's, it's you know, I understand the, per, the, the people that can't commute all the time. Um, but that's not really what we're talking. We're talking about, um, you know, creating a culture. We're talking about providing education. We're talking about uh, building an infrastructure um, and, and creating connectivity so that if you want to ride your bike, if you want to be a commuter, or not even a, as a commuter. I think it's a culture a, is the word you're a, looking for. A, a culture. I go, it goes back to the first thing I said. But, but even if you want to just get from Little Sugar Creek over to Irwin Creek, on a Sunday afternoon, you should be able to do that safely. And right now you can't. Okay, so infrastructure will improve that. And when that happens, it will get used. It will be used heavily. Um, I have no doubt about that. So this podcast, we need to come back and reflect on this podcast. Yeah. Once there, for those of you who don't live in Shaw, there's a big greenway. They're really trying to connect all these. Does ridership go up exponentially once these greenways are attached to each other? I mean, one would hope so. I don't know. And same could be said in all the rest of the cities. I mean, uh, you know, Greenville's in the same thing with the Swamp Rabbit right. in Minneapolis. You know, they, you know, they're they're a huge, huge well, cycling we, community. We talked today about Raleigh, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Raleigh. And that's where I was great. raised. And I don't even know. I heard that's turning into a really good cycling community. Raleigh's got an amazing Greenway system, um, and so you know, you can ride fifty mile. You can do a fifty mile bike ride on on Greenways. Would do. You know what would have been great? Maybe for the next time we address the situation is what is their ridership versus our ridership. Yeah, I mean, I mm -hmm. could say anecdotally that there are a lot of, I mean, they've got, I know they've got um, a pretty robust, um, like, First Friday kind of program mm -hmm. where people ride bikes from art galleries, things like that, and then the greenways are, are pretty heavily used by Well, like the tobacco place. trail, we, we, yeah, we have people traveling to the Raleigh-Durham area just to ride the tobacco trail. Mm -hmm. Hmm. They're driving. They're they're going there as if it's a holiday weekend to enjoy the infrastructure that's been built there. Um, so to kind of sum up, too, I mean, we're talking about changing the culture, and that's sort of a a not really defined 
Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there's... You know, like, how do you, how do you change infinite. the culture? And there's a lot of different things. Taking your friends to ride, providing infrastructure, making things feel more safe. And, you know, enforcement's a big part of it. Because I'll, you know, I'll just say, going back to Germany, that... Uh, Germans, and I can say this because I'm German, but Germans don't necessarily have the reputation for being patient and submissive. Um, and so, you know, people would tend to be aggressive drivers over there too, but because they have the enforcement that we don't have, at least at the same level, um, drivers are forced to be more careful and to look out for people on bikes. So from a perspective of bike law, and you being a lawyer, maybe a stronger enforcement of the rights of cyclists on bikes? Yeah, I mean, strong enforcement against against bad drivers. I mean, I can't tell you how many times tickets aren't there. I mean, even if police officers take out tickets, which often they don't, um, you know, they get Well, that's dis- educating them, dismissed. but that's a whole different... Yeah, I mean, and I understand why they don't, too, because what happens is the driver goes into court with the tickets, oh, I have insurance, and then it gets dismissed. So, you know, they're, they're not enforced on multiple levels. But uh, so, I mean, it, it's multi-level, stronger laws to start with, enforcement of those laws on different levels throughout the um, judicial system and the enforcement, enforcement system. So that's Anne's perspective. Jeff, yours is just, along with Anne, Anne probably would nod her head on this, is just grab somebody and take them for a ride. Take them for a bike ride, yeah. Show them it can be done and that they're, they're going to make it. Um, and maybe they'll take it up. Yeah, and my perspective is... I should have been more proactive when I was a younger dad. Now that I think about it, I was like, damn, I would have been a, yeah, would have been a role model. I mean, how cool is that? You know, I mean, I do recall yeah. one time me and uh, one of my coaches, an older guy, walked into my daughter's school, fully kitted up at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. She hid. There was 500 kids that looked at us when we walked in there like we were zombies. And now I look back on that and I go, what were you thinking? Guard for life because of that. But if I'd have walked in with a pair of jeans and a helmet and a nice a nice jacket and a polo they'd have been like oh that's pretty cool a so nice instead of scaring the shit out of my daughter <laughs> I would have like changed her life hey, look at my dad rode to come see me at lunch on his bicycle with his friend probably not she was at that age there's nothing you can do <laughs> you're still goofy old dad well good well I mean I don't I, I don't know I don't think there's any way that we could tie this podcast up I mean we've been hammering at it for 55 minutes and I think we have all got unique perspectives you know and from a democratic standpoint Jeff from a Republican standpoint <laughs> me sitting right in the middle actually we had nothing to do with with politics whatsoever but um you know it's it's interesting and you know and I think it's incumbent upon all of you guys to listen to our podcast you know to to do some of the stuff that Ann thinks or some of the grab some of the stuff that I think or grab some of the stuff that Jeff thinks so I think that if everybody gleans something from this Podcast, I, I think we're we're better off, and I, I and I can't wait to see when I turn, you know, in twenty years when I turn fifty years old, that you know things have changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Neither one of you are going to bite on that. <laughs> My no. God. No. <laughs> so time but, capsules. Yeah, yeah, time capsule. But you know, when I turn seventy, I hope to think that we're near or close to Munich because I I know that I have become a much. I'm not going to use the word com- commuter because I, I think I don't like that word now. Mm-hmm. The more I hear that word, the more it makes me think like you're a subsect of a of, of cycling right. and I just want to call it I want to be a part of a culture so I ride a bike yeah. I ride a bike yeah and that's you know there's um, there's a lot to be said for the terminology that's used and how it sort of uh, pigeonholes people into mindsets that we need to just get away from I ride a bike except for the racers they don't yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. I like I ride a bike. Yeah, I like I ride a bike. No, I just have to shut get up here, and ride, I, I, I but a bike. different type of shut up and ride. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, where can we find some information about you and Bike Law? BikeLaw.com. Very simple. Jeff, where can we find information about you and your rides.com? Chad, TotalCycles.com. I want to thank Ann Groninger of Bike Law and, of course, Jeff Viscount of Weekly Rides joining on us joining us on our podcast about infrastructure cycling and how and why we could change the culture. I love that word, the culture. So that's going to do it for our podcast. Look for more podcasts. Check us out on TotalCyclist.com. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on our Total Cyclist Summit and podcasts. Head on over to TotalCyclist.com. Check out more great information on coaching, training, summits, and podcasts. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.